Welcome everyone to the Hotel Nerd Network brought to you by Anchor. What's Anchor you say? It is an easy way to make a podcast like this one for free. That's right, I said it, for free. But not only that, you can record from the comfort of your home, on the PC, or on the go with your phone. They have everything you need to make a podcast in one place. The best feature is that they even distribute the podcast for you on multiple platforms, so you don't have to stress on getting your content out there for the world to hear. If you're looking for a free and easy way to make a podcast, download the Anchor app on your mobile device or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now please sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Hotel Nerd. I'm Chris. And I'm Movie Loves Unite. And we are uh, joined by Nerd Chronic today. Hey, guys. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome anytime. (laughs) Gotta tell you, man, this is a big deal for us. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You are the first SDN member to... uh, Grace our airwaves, and I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, of course, no problem. The first, um, uh, a fresh SDM member, I guess, as it would be since uh, my debut was when you guys uh, put the call out for the for someone to come on the show. So thank you for having me. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, that was my that was my debut on uh, on the show. Yeah, <laughs> but I had been involved with the Schmodown for a while, so it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah, I'm actually just getting into the Schmodown myself. I'm a uh, I'm a rookie fan, so and I gotta tell you what, I'm loving everything. I just got up to the point of the trial of JTE and uh, oh, so you're some watching- of the stuff that Pinstock said, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, watching, you're watching it from the beginning, then? Yeah. Oh, I'm actually listening to it when I'm working. Yeah. I I listen to it in my headphones. Nice. Uh, basically trying to study up on questions because I'm telling you what, I want to have this match with Larry Lee so bad. <laughs> him and I have that rivalry over yeah. there on SCN Live. Yeah, I still want that match. Uh, yeah, that's great to hear, man. Like, I mean, uh, I know you know Christian loves it. We always love uh, hearing that there are new fans and people getting into the show, and more specifically, we love hearing that there are people going back and listening to the old material and seeing the evolution of the show. I mean, we'd really appreciate that. You're welcome. And I've also been following the Smowdown back when Roka what got spared by. Team Action, and I've also followed them back in 2013 when it was just them sitting on the couch on the Schmoes No show and everything. Yeah. So just seeing how big it actually got blown up over the years and how well everybody actually is a fan of that community where it yeah. actually was very well received, it's just yeah. great. And then, of course, you're doing the editing for the trailers and Picking the music for it is just outstanding, man. I have to say, you do really good, awesome job with that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate well, that. <laughs> so, uh, one thing I was curious about is, I mean, I'm sure we all have our story of how we got into doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was your aha moment to where it's like, okay, this is what I want to do. Movies sucked me in. And you, you realized that you wanted to do uh, anything with film at all. So anything with film, like just film like, movies in general? Like just in general. Like what, uh, what movie, what moment? 
Uh, I think, well, you know, I, I've always loved movies growing up. Um, my, I used to watch movies all the time when I was a kid. Uh, my family, my dad and I and my, my brother and sister, uh, my mom, we all had, um, or co collectively, we had a Blockbuster gold card. So we would go to Blockbuster all the time when I was a kid and rent movies and rewatch the same movies that we loved, like watch new movies. And um, so it was like a big part of my family growing up. And then, uh, but I think it was when I got into high school, I took a video editing class. And I kind of got the hang of that, and uh, I was uh, really trying to put together uh, the whole uh, idea of editing uh, inside, like what I can do for as a, as a job. And uh, that's when I kind of fell in love with the uh, like medium, or like, I guess the the work of like editing. That's pretty cool, man. Um, because you know, I've actually put together some trailers and everything too for my podcast, just promoting and stuff like that. And I know how hard it is to actually pick up the music right. to certain things and even scenes for that matter as well. Trying to put everything together to make everything be sliced together so perfectly well to where we can balance each other out and everything. And I yeah. know that has to take a lot of practice and a lot of time on your hands to try and pace everything together. Yeah. And how do you actually? I know that this might seem like an SEN question, but you know, I figure if people haven't listened to the show or anything like that, but I'm kind of curious, how do you actually pick out the songs for the material that you actually want to do? Uh, for 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 Smowdown specifically? Yeah, for Smowdown. Uh, yeah, so I have a handful of uh, music libraries that I subscribe to. So like uh, they have services where you pay an annual fee, you get access to the library, you can download and uh, use the music uh, as you need to for projects and um, they're copyright free. So you don't have to worry about being hit or tagged on YouTube. Um, that's what I've been using for the last year and a half since I've been working with Smodown. And I think uh, I was talking about this on uh, SEN uh, I, when I was on uh, this past week and yeah like the hard part for me is uh, finding the right music I think that's the hardest part uh, for any of the promos because I would need to find something that kind of matches or feels right with uh, the competitors the story like the narrative the kind of vibe the tone of what like the match is going to be and uh, so I, I do spend a lot of time uh, kind of going through and trying to pick the right track the right track to kind of feel out who, how it's going to complement the story and the competitors. You know, I can't use necessarily the same uh, track for the, the real rejects and the Wildberries. I can't use the same track for, say, like Bateman versus Roca or Merle. You know, like there's different, like right. there's different uh, aesthetic to like, it needs to be applied to what's happening yeah. in the story. And so uh, I usually uh, do go around and have like a handful of tracks that I listen to. I try to play my like my blueprint of the promo in my head as I'm listening to it, see if like it has like the right, you know, peaks and valleys I'm looking for. And then I uh, give it a go. If I try to edit with like the track going underneath, then I told uh, this on SEN again, which is just that there are, there are some times like there have been a handful of times doing these promos that I got through like a third of the way of on one promo. And I just decided like, you know, this, it just, it's not working. Like uh, this track just isn't, doing what I was hoping it would do for the story, for this promo. So I'd scrap it, I'd start from scratch. And I did that for a handful. And luckily, I think most times when I kind of come to that conclusion, uh, I end up do finding like a better track that complements the promo as it should be, at least what I was hoping for in my head. You see, I go through and, that same thing too, when doing thumbnails and stuff like that myself, you know, because I have a vision on how I want to actually envision something. 
And then I'm like, okay, this is not going the way I need it actually to go on. So I have to scrap that idea and then think of another idea that's even more creative to actually try and do. So I understand what you're going through with that whole entire process. Yeah. And then I, I know with the music and everything too, that you actually have to try and do, you have to actually try and splice that together and actually go on ahead and try and make it as best as you possibly can. Right. So. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love the knowledge that you brought to, uh, SEN that day when they were doing the movie trailer uh, talk. Yeah. Uh, you brought that knowledge of that there are separate companies that do movie trailers. Right. Which I didn't even know that. I thought Disney always produced their own trailers. I thought Fox always did theirs, so on and so forth. Yeah. I was right in that boat with Brett. I honestly thought that, I mean, they're mega corporations. You don't think of them outsourcing somewhere else to uh, make movie trailers. You would think that they would want to have a cohesive control at all times on their uh, on their product. Yeah, I mean, Disney, they do, they still have control. Like, trust me, they they, they control a lot of things. But they, uh, they do uh, have the means and the resources to outsource what they need to certain companies. Again, as I said on SCN, uh, I used to work for a company that was a third-party company for them for marketing materials. And so... Um, yeah, I, I kind of got a good understanding of like, the way they kind of structured their release of those uh, trailers and uh, TV spots, posters, etc. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun uh, conversation to jump jump in on. I just posted that I wanted to, I would have loved to be a part of that conversation. And luckily, uh, Ben Goddard uh, gave me the link to jump on that day. And in hindsight, I'm glad that I did because Roka ended up leaving like the same time I jumped on. So in <laughs> hindsight, I don't know what they would have done like with just the three of them for the next hour, like talking about trailers. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, also going back, talking about the music side uh, that you and John are just talking about. Uh, when, say, Disney, and if I'm getting a little bit too far inside baseball here, let me know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it's details that you can't go into, mm-hmm. you mean, I get it. But when Disney would say, send an Avengers trailer or whatever, do they blueprint you with the music that you have to use and certain cues that you have to use the music in, or is that kind of up to the prerogative of the person that's making the trailer? Um, there are, uh, there's different protocols depending on the company and like the, and the studio you're dealing with. Um, you know, sometimes uh, they, they will have like, you know, say for the Avengers, trailer like they had like new renditions of the avengers theme that was being played underneath those trailers so like obviously you're not you're not going to get that from any sort of other source besides disney they're going to have that composed and ready to send to you so you can use it for your purposes so that way uh the company then has a uh, much closer uh dialogue with what disney wants so they can give them materials like the trailer the track to use and then they do kind of have a uh, rundown like a breakdown of uh, clips and scenes that are provided like they don't get the whole movie they don't get the whole movie to just like sift through yeah. to build it. they are provided like a handful of like specific <clears throat> things that need to be put in the trailer for marketing purposes so it is kind of like a, a dance like a back and forth between the company and the studio to kind of figure out like what material they want to be uh, aired to the public another thing i have a question about is do directors actually have a choice in what they show and don't show or is it up to the editors to put in what they want and then go ahead and put it out towards the companies. Uh, it's some, some directors do. And I think we, we did talk about this on SEM that there are some directors that have the acclaim and the kind of like clout to uh, make sure they have a hand in the way the trailer is produced and like the way uh, it's uh, 
the information is conveyed. Uh, Christopher Nolan is one that is uh, he has a lot of control over the way he uh, structures his trailers. So his trailers are usually very ambiguous, like they tease a lot, they don't show a lot. Um, whereas you know Sony is uh, notorious for having trailers that kind of just tell you the entire movie. They show you a lot from like first, second, and third act. They'll show you like all the money shots, all the jokes, and uh, that's more like a paint by numbers type of thing that they do. But yeah, there are. Uh, uh some directors that do have enough uh acclaim so they can kind of sit down and say like what they actually want the trailer to tell the audience that's true because if like for instance steven spielberg or a or as you mentioned a christopher nolan walks into the thing they already know it's going to make bank at the movie theater so therefore they can actually contribute to anything they they actually want to pick up on because they know that their movie is going to be good or because people are just going to go on hand and see it because it's a Steven Spielberg movie or a Christopher Nolan film. Yeah. So that actually exactly. does make sense. Yeah. There's a lot of control over their trailer. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Uh, now, uh, I know if I heard you correctly, because I listened to it uh, when I was at work and I may have been slightly distracted, <laughs> but, uh, did you say that your basically your Mona Lisa was the uh, Houston uh, promotion? Uh, yeah, for Trevor uh, Smodown for uh, yeah for uh, Guy versus Bateman in Houston yeah. at the uh, Booker T Wrestling Arena. Um, yeah, I mean that was the one that Christian had described as my Mona Lisa with the way he saw it when I uh, made that trailer or made that, that promo. I um, sent it to him ahead of time, and he called me and yeah, told me that in his opinion it was my Mona Lisa, which at that time I did I think you know it very much was. It was I, I agreed with that. Um, I think it was like the uh, I think of that year it was the first big trailer that I put out that I we that one had a lot of narrative to tell and a, a big rivalry to kind of highlight. And then uh, two, it was uh, just something that I really put a lot of time and effort into to kind of give it the gravitas that I think it needed to be like between those two people and to be at that venue. Um, so I think it was that was the first go I had at kind of giving a Schmodown promo like the kind of unique style that I want to give it. Um, then from there on, I was able to develop that into you know Spencer Kalinowski, then uh, Kalinowski and Cushing in San Diego, and so on. And since then, we've had like so many great. Uh, matches like throughout the rest of the year um, in 2019 that uh, I was able to kind of pinpoint and say like okay this match needs to be big like it has a lot of writing on it so I have to kind of make sure I give this uh, a, a unique sense of flair like you know I do put a lot of effort into all the promos that I do including the studio match promos but they are different like the matches that are you know in Atlanta and Houston New York like I think people are excited to see something a little bit bigger uh, depending on who's competing and so I like to try to provide that the, to the best of my ability, uh, depending on again who is being uh, brought up brought up there on stage. Now, with that, what's your favorite? Your... Uh, sorry, which one? <laughs> uh, go on ahead, Chris. I was going to ask, uh, with that being your uh, what Christian says, your Mona Lisa. What would you say would be the most difficult trailer that you've ever had to make? Uh, it's a good one. Um. The, I'm trying to think in recent memory, one of the hardest ones, the harder ones I had to make uh, is the are the Star Wars ones because one, uh, you know, Alex Damon uh, just refuses to lose, and so we have to keep getting him back in as the champion that's being challenged. And there's only so much like you can build like in a promo that's 
that wasn't said in the last promo that we just saw like you know a couple months ago and so no slight on alex because he's doing what he has to do yeah he's winning which is absolutely what he has to do as champion but um it is it becomes a bit difficult to build a different narrative or a uh entertaining narrative around him when the whole spiel is just that he, he just doesn't lose like that's pretty much what it is at this point he's uh so the last one we did for spectac spectacular with him versus laura kelly it was like i just kind of wanted to boom 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 highlight the fact that he's ran through all these competitors all these people and he's just unbeatable and you know laura kelly was hopefully the new rookie sensation that was going to come and give him a fair challenge and that's the no i ended the promo on which that she says she hopes this is the first of the new rookie class coming in to give the star wars league uh, a, a shot in the arm like it that it needs and i think it is you know we have her we have alex de Malanta. Uh, we have um, uh, Sean Sullivan, Adam Witt now. Uh, and we have like a handful of other people, Ace and uh, Josh Cavado, who are coming up in the tournament. And we have a bunch of people who are going to give that whole league a, a good shakeup. And luckily, that combined with the fact that Alex is now going into inner geekdom, it gives me a lot more stuff to work with. So I'm looking forward to doing some more Star Wars stuff finally at this point in time, along with some more stuff for Alex because he has a lot more material to work with. Right. But my question is too, like, what's your favorite match? What's your favorite um, match that you actually had to do and everything and had a, and you watched? Yeah, I was uh, for you mean for the promo just to watch and then do the promo for uh, watch and do the promo. Yeah, I um, uh, I had a lot of fun with uh, the two promos that I did for Smets and Kalinowski. The first one being a collision. Uh, last year, and then the second one being a spectacular uh, later that year in December. And uh, I mean, I really liked building those two. Like it, and you know, I always put a lot of effort into making these promos as expansive and as big as they can be. But there is work into kind of, you know, shaping them into a cohesive narrative. You know, I can show I can show a lot of money shots and like big, you know, uh, bombastic things for the promo, but it has to kind of have like a flow to it. Whereas uh, with Spencer Kalinowski, like they kind of provided that very naturally because. Uh, the narrative between the two, the rivalry that they had was a natural rivalry, rivalry that they, they built between one another. They uh, started doing that at uh, Free For All in March of last year. They, you know, they had that kind of face-off that they did, and that wasn't like anything that was that came out of nowhere. You know, like they didn't have a scene together, they didn't have a match together, they didn't interact anytime before that, and so they decided to just kind of like start it there, and uh, they went off on it afterwards and they uh, started doing a little bit more leading into collision, which is when uh, Smets built up his, uh, his shot to get to Kalinowski at collision for the number one contender match. And since then, like they're kind of like back and forth between the rest of the year was very natural. I liked doing it because it was something that they, uh, they themselves like felt naturally like uh, uh, comfortable dealing with and between one another, like they would you know have their back and forth, they have their banter and it felt as big as Guy and Bateman, as big as like Roka and Merle, uh, even though Spencer was a rookie and Kalinowski previously had, you know, his uh, rivalry with Rachel Cushing. And so I just think that uh, building something from scratch between those two was like immensely easy. And that was because of how uh, talented they were in kind of building that tension uh, for the game. That's actually pretty cool. I yeah. like that whole entire aspect of it. Yeah, and absolutely. everything, and they kind of used improv of it, so that I like the fact that you were able to build off of that. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> if you, I mean, I'm assuming that you've been a fan of movie trivia showdown for a while before becoming the uh, the end the 
person making the trailers behind the scenes. If you had to pick one moment for somebody like me who's just jumping in, what moment do you say, watch out for this? This is this is a huge moment. Uh, as far as like stuff that's already happened that like you're going through, you're going to see at some point. Yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, the match between uh, it'll, it'll probably, if you're going from season one onward, it probably won't happen for a while. But uh, the, for me, as I was getting into it, the, uh, one, the Star Wars five way in uh, at Star Wars Celebration was one of the earlier matches that I saw that I that just excited me because I, I do love Star Wars. And that uh, match is just having like a really good back and forth, like a really good dynamic between the competitors. And so like it is like a nail biting match. It's a it's a close one. And then um, my uh, my favorite one, I think after that though, when I was watching it regularly, was uh, Rachel, Rachel Cushing versus Mark Kanopic, and uh, in at, at the studio match. And that's like I think one of the best matches of all time, uh, truthfully. And that's I think a good match of like being able to watch the show, watch the show, and be invested in like the stakes of it uh, at the moment. It's it's you know I guess you're adrenaline pumping in a very you know weird nerdy way. Like you know it's just people sitting down answering movie trivia, but like the kind of level of competition that's being displayed is palpable and i think it is something that people can latch on to and like feel the energy coming through the the show at that moment all right yeah it, i'm glad i got some good moments to look forward to yeah <laughs> not only that but even the roca and team action one is actually pretty good as well too because there's that whole entire arc of uh of beef that's actually going on between roca and team action during that time. Yeah. And then with Ben Bateman and also uh, what's his other sidekick that he had at that time? I forgot. I'm drawing a blank, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, I really well, like that whole, you know, Roka's had a lot of rivalries in, in the, throughout the series. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's even, I know that as a rookie, yeah. uh, even I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, Roka was one of those competitors that was just fantastic. Yeah, it still uh, is. Uh, well, let me ask you, uh, Chris. Uh, how did you get introduced to the show? I uh, was a big fan of Collider. I actually started watching Collider Heroes uh, when Schnepp was uh, still hosting, and then they started talking about. I just kept hearing about Snowdown, Snowdown. Like every so often, they throw it out there, and every so often, Christian would make a reference to it on Jedi Council. When I watch Jedi Council religiously because I'm a huge Jedi or a huge uh, Star Wars nerd. Yeah. Um, and then I every occasionally I catch uh, um, what was it? Uh, Collider movie, movie news or yeah, movie talk. That's what it was. Uh, because John, you're actually the one that turned me on to that. And then they announced right. they were doing Collider Live, and it was going to be a different type of show. So I started watching that. And let me tell you what, some of those moments in Collider Live are just amazing. <laughs> I just saw a moment here uh, recently where Roxy's trying to make a point about something and who's ever in the uh, in the back hits the fart noise sound and yeah. Christian and all of them just lose it. I think it was Christian, Makuga, and Riley were in the room with Roxy and they just lost it. Yeah. And it even got me because I wasn't expecting it because I totally forgot about the moment. Yeah. And then 
just a natural progression that Christian wanted to announce that he was going to make his own channel, keep the same type of show, and I just followed him mm-hmm. and just grandfathered over with him. Yeah, that's well, that's great, man. Like, I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I know because Clatter Live and then SCN when he created it afterwards, like it was a he always wanted to heavily integrate it with the Schmodown. I think um, it's a good example of what he was hoping for. People coming from Collider and SEN to going in and then finding the Schmodown. I mean, I know he loves both and all, but Schmodown definitely is his uh, his pride and joy. And I think he would be very appreciative of, like that you found uh, the Schmodown through uh, the ancillary work that he was building around it. Now, we do have a question here from a fan, uh, DarkFaith66. Uh, wants to know what you use for editing that uh, she learned some Adobe stuff years ago, but now out of the loop. Uh, yeah, I, I use Adobe Premiere for uh, my editing, for everything I do. Um, I learned uh, on, uh, well, when I was in high school, I learned like iMovie and stuff, the kind of the basics. And then I learned in college of uh, Final Cut and uh, Avid Media Composer. Uh, but uh, over the last several years since I've been working in LA, I've, I've moved on to Adobe because um, it's just for my purposes. Uh, I am a, like a pretty fast run and gun type of editor. Um, Avid is still the industry standard, but uh, it is very meticulous and it's a lot of like uh, time and effort to put into it to kind of make things uh, work the way you want it to. Um, but it is a very stable platform. However, Adobe uh, has made a lot of leaps and bounds over the last several years that I do love and I've, I'm really happy happy about. Um, and Luckily, they uh, the way that is structured, it gives me what I need, which I can like, kind of make edits very, very fast, and I can keep up with the the work that I need to be doing uh, on a weekly basis, which is the Shimoda, and on top of all my other work for other things. <laughs> John, you look like you got a question brewing on there. Yeah, um, but no, for me and everything with the Shmo's No Show is whenever I started following them, but... It, well, I remember when Camp, John Campia went on here and brought them on the show, and I remembered how knowledgeable Christian was. And then a couple of uh, – maybe a month or two later, he brought Ellis on. Yeah. And then he, they started talking about Schmoes No. I'm like, what is Schmoes No? And so next thing I know it, I started following their movie reviews and everything. And then next thing I know it, I became a fan of AMC Movie Talk and also a fan of the Schmoes No show. Yeah. And I even remember when they also did it with the Collider Studio as well, when they tried to do the Smoke Snow Show in the in the Collider Studio at one time. As a matter of yeah. fact, that's also when uh, Brett did the rant for uh, for Brett to the Future, which is understandable. Yeah. I understand exactly what he, why he did that. And I respect him for ranting the way he did because of the fact that, you know, you're talking about somebody's mother and it's just very disrespectful. It shows how bad the fan community can actually be. Yeah, but you know, I really do. I always respect Christian. I always respect Mark for their reviews, especially how it's all subjective, and they don't make the audience try and they don't try and make them decide what movie that they shouldn't go see or, or anything like that. It's all based off of the person that wants to go see this see a movie. So I really respect them for that. You yeah, know? I mean, I, and, yeah, that that was part of it too. I mean, kind of, I found. Uh, a handful of people that I enjoyed in the same fashion where I just liked their thoughts and like kind of what they were saying about movies and uh, the space in general. And so it was, uh, I think one of the people that I found early on uh, was um, 
Christian and Mark doing their thing. But then uh, on the side of that, I was also finding people through the Schmodown who they kind of like then brought into like the network, which was uh, Late to the Party, The Real Rejects, and I kind of saw like the YouTube space that was expanding from that. And so I, I really loved uh, finding the, the big web, unraveling the big web between everyone that was happening happening uh, between Christian and everything that they were doing. Uh, hey, hey, PC. I see PC in the, in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I see her there too. I have PC. Shout out to her. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'll answer that because PC is like always supports us on uh, the other channels that we jump on, which is uh, my favorite classic movie. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'm trying to think classic movie because there's, I mean, there's so many that I jump in, like that I jump around with because there's like, classic comedies, classic horror films. Um, I don't know. Can you think, guys think of one for yourself? Uh, your favorite classic movie? Classic movies for me would be. Go ahead, John. Uh, yeah, for a classic movie for me, it would be like Casablanca. I really like the old black and white. Sometimes I like to actually go mm. with uh, for that. For eighties, John Hughes. I would have to go with The Breakfast Club, and then yeah. because of how close he he was able to actually get to each character, and some people can actually relate to each character. And so that's why I like The Breakfast Club, because of the comedy and the uh, chemistry between the actors and actresses. <laughs> For me, my favorite movie all time, period, hands down, uh, I'll Die on This Hill, Ghostbusters 1984. <laughs> I will <laughs> die on that hill. Yeah, it's funny. That's kind, of, that's kind of like a modern classic. But the thing is, we're getting to we're getting far enough from that point in the eighties where like, it might be considered a classic. I don't know. I don't know what the exact time yeah, frame it would be classified a classic. Yeah. Like as we, as we move on further in time, <laughs> like the uh, modern classics become actual classics um, from like the, the golden age, silver age type of movies. Uh, I think, yeah, like mine uh, that I really do like, uh, I like a lot of like old classic comedies. Um, I like, uh, you know, some like it hot. I saw like, um, uh, what is that? It happened one night. Um, and uh, a bunch of movies that I was able to kind of find through like my college years of like uh, reviewing films and uh, studying film, like those are the ones I kind of uh, I think resonate with, uh, just because like that, they kind of meant a lot to me when I was learning film. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, PC. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. realize there was a book at a breakfast club. <clears throat> I didn't know that either. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that at all. Uh, <laughs> I feel also, like Ellis now uh, book. <laughs> Dark Faith, I, mean, I know I said it to you in the chat, but I'll say it here too. I apologize. I should not have assumed your gender. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I think it was the yeah the thumbnail that kind of got, got you. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> thumbnail got me. I got trolled. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of trolls, some of the things that come in on that Schmobot, man. <laughs> I love that Schmobot so much. Yeah. Uh, you haven't had the uh, the wonderful experience of being interrupted by that thing yet, have you? No, luckily, luckily the episode that I was on, there was no Schmobot um, that was turned on. <laughs> I, I avoided it the, the, for the first time, at least. Um, but yeah, the Schmobot is hilarious because uh, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult for me when I have to cut promos and I, I'm trying to pull sound bites from SEN. And then they're saying something that is 
working really well, and then it gets interrupted by, by the Schmobot, so I can't use that clip. Uh, so kind of sometimes it is a thorn on my side, but like I do, I do love it. I was able to get it uh, in there for the Parker and um, Ace match that we had a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Dark Faith also responded. Yeah. And says that we're all cool. And favorite uh, movie is The Exorcist. Number one. Yeah. System. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. say that- my top yeah, five classic horror film, classic, classic horror film for sure. If I had to pick a classic horror film, oh, I gotta think on this one, John. I'll let yeah. you go first. Yeah, I gotta think on this one. I'm gonna pick 1975, I believe, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because it's yeah. how real it looked. It was like the it was if you think about it, the way it was shot, it was like the Blair Witch of the nineteen seventies. Because <laughs> of the way how realistic it actually looked. Yeah. And yeah. everything. And it scared the crap out of me as a kid. Don't get me wrong, I mean Street scared the crap out of me with Freddy and everything. Because I was afraid to go to sleep. But right. being awake and having him chase me down with a chainsaw. Yeah, I, I I would be more scared of him than I would be of Freddy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of felt the same way about that whole the, the movie. Yeah, like I think there's something scary about just some guy in a face mask, like a literal face mask, just chasing with the chainsaw. <laughs> I have to say my favorite, my favorite horror movie, it's not a classic, but my favorite horror movie, it just keeps popping in my head. It's got to be The Ring. The ring, yeah, the ring's good, and that definitely it, it, it's got to be the ring because when she jumps from the TV up there onto the landing where he's at, and he falls through that table, and that jump gets me. I know it's coming, but that jump gets me <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, I think my favorite classic, at least classic horror film, might be uh, Halloween or like The Thing. I think The Thing might qualify as a classic horror film now. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the the old yeah, days, like Christian. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're getting there. He says if we get, I think what he said, a thousand followers or subscribers on Twitch, he'll do a watch along. Finally, so just gotta keep keep at it. Um, and you know, speaking of horror, because like uh, I do love horror, but I had to give a shout out to uh, my good friend uh, Galagost in the chat. Uh, who was you know, the new uh, inductee into the dungeon uh, lately, Antiago uh, Galago, and uh, he uh, he's a huge horror expert. Uh, so he's uh, yeah, the Schmobi is, is the enemy. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a good friend of mine. Could you died. make a tra- Could you make a trailer? Being he's saying that Schmobot's the enemy. Could you make a trailer out of all the times that Schmobot's pissed Mark uh, Ellis off? I'm sure I can like be a supercut. Doing, the, just, doing the, the lip yeah. thing and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. It was just, uh, yeah, it was uh, just a supercut of Ellis getting frustrated every time the Schmobot has to say something. <laughs> <laughs> I really love his, the look on his face every time it interrupts him, though. It's yeah. just classic. Yeah. And I can relate. I mean, it sucks. Like, yeah, Ellis right. is a professional comedian, you know, like he's a, he has bits in his head that he's running through he is he improvises with like he's sitting down he's playing along with the banter and like what's coming at him and he's trying to give back the best he can and then that just gets derailed by the schmobot that's cutting off his thoughts you know i definitely have to agree with this comment the ring is playable for any american horror remake of 
a foreign horror film. Now, Gallagher, I want to also ask you a question. Uh, have you seen the trailer for Netflix's Juwan? Because that trailer looks amazing. I cannot wait for that thing to drop and be able to watch that. Granted, I think it's going to all be in Japanese, but I don't care. I'll watch it. I thought The Grudge was a great opportunity, and it was a great missed opportunity. For a remake, you mean? Well, yeah. even the first go-around when they made it the first time, I think that they they swung and they hit a foul ball. They didn't hit a home run. They hit a long foul ball. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, The Grudge has its place, I think, these days. You know, like it has a place in horror, um, but I don't think it holds up. Like in hindsight, I don't think it it really lands the same way like the ring does and like some of these other like kind of horror films of like the early 2000s um i think it is uh it has like a it's kind of an acquired taste for like someone who is interested in the horror genre in general oh i another just thought horror one. Uh, ghost another horror one yeah <laughs> ghost ship that, the opening scene with the oh, wire yeah <laughs> <laughs> ghost ship was um that got me right from the start with when everybody gets sliced in half with that wire yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i do remember ghost ship. I, I remember seeing that when i was uh younger and uh that, that yeah the opening scene is pretty gnarly um i don't know how i can i haven't seen the movie in a long time i don't know how well the rest of the movie holds, holds up because that's like the one scene that sticks out in my head it actually holds up pretty well. I actually saw it on DirecTV just recently. It's actually pretty decent for how it holds up now. But it definitely has some bad CGI here and there. But the yeah. opening scene still holds up, though, alone. So you're right about that part. It does hold up still. It's just yeah. the other stuff within the movie that doesn't really hold up as much. But still, it's still a good scene. Um, <laughs> for my personal favorite, too, is Jaws. And Jaws is hands down one of my favorite movies because I remember well, going over to my aunt's house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember going to my aunt's house in Boston because that's actually where I'm originally from, and she had the movie of Jaws on VHS. So every single time I would call her up, she goes, "Let me guess, you want to watch Jaws?" I'm like, "Yes." So she would go on ahead. I would go to her house, get the VHS tape. Not only that, but it also saves money off a of blockbuster, and yeah. I would go on ahead. And pop it in and just watch it. Yeah, uh, yeah I used to. Um, I mean, there. Were, I think everyone always had you know those old VHSs that they used to watch over and over again. I was actually talking about it again on SCN, which is that uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch the same Ninja Turtles two VHS over and over again, just to because uh, I always uh, I love that movie. But I from there I always remember the trailers that were ahead of the movie and those those the sound of those trailers stick in my mind. I did that with the Ghostbusters uh, videotape, and my grandparents actually had to go out and buy three um, different videotapes of Ghostbusters yeah. to go that brown them up. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters is a classic, though, man. I mean, I'm a diehard Ghostbusters fan as well, and I remember eating the cereal. I remember collecting toys. I even had the Firehouse uh, toy. Where See, I wasn't that kind of much into it. I just loved the movie. I I didn't care about anything else. I, the I movie. was deep. <laughs> I was deep into it. But yeah. you know, I was a you were getting funny before funny was a thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, man, I, I love Ghostbusters. Um, another thing too that I actually have to say that I really enjoy as a film, and it's because of the camera angles and everything else and what they want to do. It's a modern film, but you know, it's Don't Breathe. Oh it's right, yeah. And just the way the camera angles are, and the way that the camera just pan angles over to the side, and then you see Stephen Lang on one side, but on the other side, you actually see the other characters hiding from them, and they have to hold their breath. Otherwise, he winds up hearing what hearing them. And I remember going to the theater. I had two girls in the back of me with their mouths closed and their hands <laughs> over their mouth because they thought that Stephen Lang was going to come through the screen. <laughs> So yeah. it just shows how impactful that movie was. It's funny because, uh, I mean, horror, as it's evolved over the last decade or so, uh, has kind of like, we've had like, you know, quote unquote elevator horror that's like gone on to like bigger things that, uh, that we have like kind of abstract thoughts, like in the horror that explores uh, larger ideas. But then we do have like the other side of like some horror films that have kind of like withdrawn and then they focus back on like one kind of central hook which is like don't breathe you know like the idea of like being super quiet and like kind of not breathing and stuff like that and similar to that we have a quiet place which like it's also again like you got you have to be super quiet um you can't make a noise or the creatures will get you and uh right. it's funny a lot of that comes uh in my mind uh stemmed from uh doctor who because i'm a big doctor who fan and like the doctor who had you know the don't blink episode that with uh, the weeping angels and then from there uh Stephen Moffat then went on to write for the series and he also wrote like a couple of, uh, a couple of other similar episodes which, which was like yeah don't make a sound don't do this don't think don't do these other kind of like uh sensory type uh horror uh ideas uh but yeah it, it's, it's funny that we have like a, a good handful of horror films that are able to work really well within a minimal space because they do focus a lot on like just that one central idea of like uh trying to withhold from doing any sort of natural uh natural reaction that you might have which is like yeah don't breathe a quiet place and also um hush uh, hush was like another one that uh, dealt a lot with like the sentry uh, deprivation type of horror like that was going on with the, the antagonist another thing too is if you i remember uh christian saying this a while back back in the early 2000s and everything i remember when studios would actually just take a chance on doing a horror film for like $6 million. And if it makes bank, it makes bank. If it doesn't, it doesn't. They didn't really yeah. take horror movies that seriously. Now we're just getting good original films finally underneath some of the other remakes and everything that we get. But yeah. we're actually getting some really good quality horror films for a change. And they yeah. actually are taking their time and putting in the budget in that they actually need for it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I feel like the horror genre got shot in the arm when The Conjuring uh, came out. Because, at least for me, that um, that movie itself was just insanely good. Like, I was on pins yeah. and needles for most of the movie. There were some down points, don't get me wrong. There were some moments where you take a breath, but then it picked right back up. It, it made you uh, keep thinking. It didn't give everything away in one shot either, which was great. That was a great refresh. Yeah. Where you didn't see the threat right away. You yeah. got some pieces. Yeah, and exactly. That's my biggest complaint about horror movies uh, recently. Not like recent recently, but since in my time of being alive, is they give away everything right out of the gate. Sometimes even the movie trailers themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I really, I love The Conjuring a lot. Like, I really do. Um, I, I, I do agree. I think it is one of my favorite horror films uh, of the last decade, probably uh, in like of, of all time for me personally. Um, and I, I, I think the thing about The Conjuring is that it, it was like a good uh, addition to this horror renaissance that we've gotten over the last uh, decade or so, uh, which is like the, we have like again elevated horror films that do say something about uh, abstract thoughts. So we have like the the witch, which is about like you know like kind of religious repression and stuff like that. We have uh, the Babadook, which is about depression. Uh, it follows, which is about like sexual um, promiscuity, like kind of going on between teenagers. And then we do have uh, kind of horror films that are taking conventional ideas like The Conjuring and working with them really well. So The Conjuring, in my opinion, doesn't say anything like uh, it doesn't have any large thoughts to explore, uh, but it does use conventional horror elements like very well it's like really well directed has great performances it has really uh enjoyable characters and like uh, endearing characters in the warrens and in the family and uh, i think it uh, does a great job kind of bridging the gap between conventional horror and uh a quote-unquote elevator horror and i do i do appreciate uh what it did for the genre uh, when it came along and i do love both those films gallagher says a uh Thanks to New Wave of Horror stem <laughs> from the Rebirth of the Soul franchise. Okay, I'll give you that one. I honestly, I'm not a Soul franchise fan, but hey, uh, I will give credit where credit's due because they did turn that into an annual event. They are pumping one out every year. It's, it felt like sometimes it felt yeah. like it was sooner than a year. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I will concede that point and I will yeah. give that one. <laughs> there, definitely was, there definitely was an era though with saw uh where horror became uh you know in the wake of uh like the early 2000s and like the war in iraq and like the kind of uh body horror torture that was in the cultural zeitgeist of what was going on with american uh soldiers and stuff which is where horror focused a lot on body horror it was you know like uh it was saw uh hostile um cabin fever you know, like a bunch of like Eli Roth movies uh, that, uh, focused on like the kind of like a grotesque nature of being someone being chopped up or split in half or something like that. Um, and luckily, I think we, you know, we still have that in the genre, of course, but I think luckily we have kind of uh, drifted away from that where it's not everything now. Like we do have those films once in a while, but we luckily have other films that focus on other elements of horror, which people could enjoy and find kind of more that, that might resonate with them on a more personal level. Right. And I like the soft films. I'm, I'm a fan of the franchise, but also like the fact, too, if they're actually going to use gore, I wanted to actually <laughs> go ahead and use gore to actually tell the part of the story and not just have it just for the sake of having gore. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. I, mean? and I think that's what it was for a while. Like We're starting to get into that territory where horror films were just like they thought that was the answer. Like you know, the answer to giving, like making good horror was just like having a lot of like grotesque and like gore on screen. Um, and like, I think uh, they've kind of figured that out. They kind of like found the balance between the two where you can have uh horror, like uh, elements like visual horror, uh, but then also kind of have it mean something as well. Now we have a question coming in here from PC asking about your favorite Hi. spots in Los Angeles. Now I'm going to take this one step further. I everywhere you've ever been. What's your favorite spot? That you've ever been uh i've ever been in los angeles or anywhere just in in general in general um it's hard because I don't, I don't travel a lot like I, i've said this before like I, I don't travel uh very much like out of state or like around like around the world uh, i've uh notoriously never been on a plane 
<laughs> like I've never flown anywhere. Uh, it's just not because I'm necessarily scared to. Like there are jitters, but I just never had like a reason to. I can never, like, nothing ever come up where I needed to be on a plane. And so um, maybe one day with a slowdown, I've had to go out for an event or something. But um, I mean, like I think uh, a couple years ago, I took a trip out to Oregon and uh, the kind of like a southern part of Oregon. And I stayed with my family for uh, a little bit uh, uh, where we um, were out in a cabin, like, quote, unquote, a cabin in the woods. And uh, we were uh, kind of off the grid. There was no cell signal. Um, there was no Wi-Fi. So it was really just like sitting in like the woods and like a big cabin. And uh, that was, it was nice. It was a nice kind of getaway. Uh, but however, on the flip side of that, it was a bit scary because um, it was like a, a big cabin with like lots of lights in it. But the windows and the doors were all like big glass windows and big glass sliding doors. So at night, when you looked outside, it was just like pitch black into the woods. And so if you were... <laughs> If you were anything standing outside the house, we would look, look like a big fishbowl. Like we would just say, you could see us perfectly. We can see out there. We can see anything that was out there in the woods. That's the type of area that I grew up in here in central Pennsylvania, where you can go out and literally look up into the sky and you see the galaxy. You yeah. can literally see like the space gas and everything in the sky. Now I live here in the city, which mind you is only 15 miles away from where I used to live growing up. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's a world of a difference. You don't see right. that many stars or anything, but I, I get you where you talk about the all encompassing darkness. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my bread and butter right there. My favorite, mm -hmm. uh, my favorite neighbors are deer and bear and squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Christian that I like squirrels, but I would have a squirrel for a pet. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, but, uh, Sorry, good. I live out in the country and everything. I live down. I live down in Mississippi now, so I'm. I live down in the boondocks, pretty much, where I can actually yeah. see the stars. There's squirrels. There's stuff like that. I <laughs> I like the quietness of actually the countryside because of the fact I can actually go outside and just look at the stars for a little bit and just forget about stuff. It's just relaxing. Yeah, to actually yeah. get out there. Yeah, it, and it was nice, you know, it was nice getting away and like kind of being having a weekend or in half to myself to kind of, you know, get away from the city and like stop thinking about, uh, you know, technology for a little bit. And uh, the, the the bad part was almost all the mosquitoes in, on, in addition to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think uh, to answer PC's question, though, like, again, like as far as Los Angeles goes, um, I, 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 lo I love going uh, kind of like s more southern L.A., um, which is like near uh, Anaheim and uh, that area, not necessarily Disneyland, but like in uh, Fullerton, that whole area. It's just like it's a very nice area, Orange County. Um, I, I guess it would be the kind of general area right now. Maybe not so much because everyone's over there protesting. But uh, uh, but usually when it was things were normal, I would like to kind of go in that area. And uh, Galagos is asking, what was the last movie that you guys saw in theaters before the lockdown? For me, it was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I think. For uh, me, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on ahead. Oh, well, I thought I was gonna say. I think for me, it was Birds of Prey actually. Okay. For me, The Invisible Man. Yeah, I remember that. I remember I didn't get a chance to go out and see that. Um, I know Andres did, and then so did uh, Video Drew. Um, but yeah, that was one that I, I had missed when it came out, so I should actually try to watch that soon. It's really good. I mean, I had low expectations of seeing it, 
in theaters and everything. Yeah. And what made me go out and see it was JoeBlow.com's review of what Jimmy yeah. Ost had to say about it. Yeah. And no, I'm like, okay. That's that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Like I also like the trailer. I did not like that trailer for the movie at all. Like I thought it looked really bad. And so when I saw the reviews coming out, I saw like everyone was giving a favorable review. So I, I decided like I should definitely check this out. So I, I really do want to see it at some point. It's definitely worth the watch. And I have to say, the very beginning is a slow pace, slow burn type thing in the first couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. But once it picks off, it doesn't. It just keeps on going. It do, it doesn't slow down. Yeah. And I think and you know, you're both of them like it. The trailer for me was what turned me off to this reason why I didn't go to see it in theaters. I didn't want to waste one of my uh, um, AMC uh, oh, so long as I've been in a movie theater. I don't even remember what the hell the name of their program is anymore. <laughs> but I, I didn't want to use one of those free movies for the week on uh, on that film. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I, was, I also just didn't get a chance to, or like, a, I didn't have the motivation to go see it in theaters when it came out. But uh, now, in hindsight, I, I do want to see it. I do want to check it out, and hopefully, uh, it will live up to the hype that everyone's uh, talking about. I do want to talk about yeah. one scene in particular that I liked, mm-hmm. and it's when the girl is cooking uh, breakfast, and then there's nobody in the kitchen. The girl, uh, matter of fact, the girl goes up the stairs to check on her, the guy's daughter. And yeah. there's nobody in the kitchen, but you can actually tell that there might be somebody in the kitchen, though, because it doesn't panhandle all the way up to the stairs or anything like that. It just focuses on the kitchen itself. Yeah. And yeah, then don't they all show of a sudden, the trailer? they show that in the trailer, but it actually executes really well on the screen when you're watching it. Because I wasn't sure how it was actually going to play out on the screen. But when you watch it on the screen and everything and see the kitchen get, get caught on fire, and everything it gives you that spooky feel of somebody else's in the house besides those two people yeah so <laughs> yeah um no. did you guys have that reminds me did you guys see dr sleep i did no i haven't yet i do want to see it though because i'm a yeah. huge shining fan yeah i would highly recommend it like i watched it uh the first one of the first times i think the first weekends that video drew came out to uh, stay with me she uh was here we watched it on a whim and it was great i really loved it it was a lot better than i expected actually like i was kind of into it i, I do love the, Sh- the shining and like stephen king in general but i didn't really know what to expect from the movie and i was uh, really pleasantly surprised by it i really enjoyed it let's see now, I went out to the theater. Oh, go ahead john okay i went out to the movie theaters to see this and everything and you know they did a very good job at making it its own thing, but instead of keep on paying homage to the original, which is something mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how much is the are we going to be getting of the homage to the original? And it's just its own original entity without having to go back to the movie or anything like that. Yeah, there's yeah. a few parts here and there, but it's not like heavy where it's like, oh yeah, I remember this from The Shining or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I have to say that. I also like the fact that they actually gave Danny a character arc, which is something that mm-hmm. Stephen King didn't like with the Jack Nicholson character. There was no story arc. So they actually went yeah. on ahead and gave Danny the character arc that Jack Nicholson actually deserved in the first Shining movie. And I actually respected them to actually give them that right. character arc that he actually needed. Yeah. Um, you can go Absolutely. on ahead, Chris. Now, uh, I would say the best movie that I've seen recently, probably in the bat the past 
let's say two years, uh, it's not going to be Endgame. I'll tell you that right now. It's not Avengers Endgame. So anybody that's <laughs> guessing that one, you're dead wrong. Um, 1917. Hands down the best 17. film. Yeah, 1917. Hands down the best film that I've seen in the past two years. Um, yeah, that's that's another one I didn't uh, get a chance to see in theaters, and I was really bummed about because that was you know during the Oscar season, and I knew you know more movies in general like yeah, the it behooves you to see in theaters because just for the spectacle and like the nature of the film, like it's better to see it in a theater with the proper sound design than the visual aspects of like what they're the cinematography, but. That was a uh, one I, I missed, and similarly, I missed also Dunkirk in the same fashion. And uh, I was able to catch Dunkirk later uh, at home. I just literally sat in front of my TV, like five feet away, and just cranked up the volume like to like a, a moderate like level where it, could, it would be like kind of in my face, so I could like try to replicate the uh, theater experience as best as I could. But um, 1917 is one I haven't watched yet, and I want to do the same thing. I want to sit down and watch it with like the speakers kind of blaring at me, with like my vision just kind of uh, encompassed by the screen itself i actually got to see it on Redbox and everything i wanted to see 1917 in theaters but i never got around to actually seeing it there was like another movie that i wanted to see but i wish i got to see it because i like how they did the one shot it's like a very good one shot movie especially how they actually it's also kind of reminds me of kind of like a call of duty kind of style type thing because yeah. while the camera's focusing on the ca characters the ca and then the camera just pan angles over to another character as, the ca as they're walking through the bunker and everything it just shows how realistic this war actually is and how big it is don't get me wrong we read about it but actually to see it face to face on the screen the way they yeah. did in 1917 yeah. is just phenomenal so yeah you know, uh, 1917 was incredible and then he goes on to say, I was trying to get Nerd Chronic to go see it with me one afternoon. <laughs> he was, yeah. Then, back when, you know, the world was still normal and we had a little bit more time. Like, there was a day we were hanging out and he was going to go see it, but I couldn't make it because I had to do some work. Uh, and I, again, lo and behold, I never got to see it. Um, I do want to say, yeah, good night to Dark Faith. He said no. So, yeah, thanks yep. for hanging around, man. Uh yeah, it's uh, it, it sucks. Like I kind of, uh, I back when everything was still functioning, I didn't have a lot of time to just go to like movies as much as I used to, because um, I've been super busy the past year with everything that's going on. Uh, but now that it's that contradictory nature that I think we all have, which is like now that movies are gone, I really want to go to a movie theater and go watch movies in the theater again. Same here as well. That's yeah. my bread and butter right there. That's what I want to. I like just going to the movie theaters, forgetting about something for two and a half hours, and just shoving popcorn in my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my um, the front desk manager and I we talk quite a bit about movies uh, there at the hotel that I work at, and he had this idea of when theaters come back. And obviously it won't happen right away, but he said about taking and making, instead of having like huge communal theaters, taking rooms, like make like hotel rooms and just make little mini movie theaters for like families. Like for me and my kids say, we want to go see, I don't know, kids movie pops in my head, Sonic. Um, say we want to go see Sonic. We go and we select on a tablet uh 
like you do at McDonald's or whatever now, where you go to the kiosk and you select what you want, and then it comes up on the screen and you order your food through the kiosk and whatnot, and you have it served to you and make it more personalized. Now, personally, I don't like that idea. I mean, call me traditionalist. I don't know. Maybe there's theaters that are doing this already or if it's even been a thought. But I like the idea of like going to see a, an end game or like say when Matrix 4 comes out. If I go to see Matrix 4, I want to see it with a boatload of people because yeah. I want to experience that with my fellow nerd community. Yeah. I don't want to be shacked up in a hotel room with only a handful of people. I want to have people like you and John and Christian and in everybody at SEM. I want to be part of that group and I want to be in that theater and I want to experience the wow moments and just be amazed with everybody else. I mean, because imagine I take Endgame for example, when and you know, spoiler alert, sue me. Uh, when Captain America picks the hammer up and they show it him. Mm. I mean, I was in that theater and everybody just lost their mind. Yeah. Now I watch it here at home. I still love that scene. Yeah. But it doesn't hold the same uh, gravitas that it did in the theater. Same with the portal scene. I love the portal scene, but it doesn't hold the same that it does seeing it with hundreds of people yeah exactly and um i feel the same way i mean that was always my favorite part of being at a theater like since i was a kid it was the idea of being around people having a good time and enjoying the film you know because I, I can enjoy a film like perfectly fine at home that's not why i go to a theater like a theater has like the you know the really big sound uh, uh, and visual elements that you can enjoy. But the thing I love most about it is being around people and kind of you know, feeling the energy of the audience around you. Um, and like similar to what you said for Avengers, like I was there, I went to the uh, like 6 PM showing on like the opening Tuesday night before they came out and uh, with a couple of my friends and at the uh, Grauman's Chinese theater in downtown LA in Hollywood. And uh, like it was a packed house. I was like, you know, huge IMAX screen that we were in front of and uh, it was like a beautiful moment when like uh, the portal scenes hit and everyone's cheering and clapping and yelling and you know that's an experience you're not going to get anywhere else like you're not going to get that with like watching it at home you're not going to necessarily get that kind of experience at like even say like a sports game or something like that or like a, a different type of live event like it's a, it is a very unique situation to be in an audience enjoying uh kind of the, that piece of entertainment being thrown at you in that aspect, like, and especially for something like, you know, Avengers, like a kind of, it was kind of a once in a lifetime experience. And for me, uh, was Wonder Woman with no land, no man's land. Yeah. And oh yeah. I, I forgot. All. That all. <laughs> and Go here's ahead. the thing. I'm, I'm rewatching Wonder Woman right now for a review. I have to do for tomorrow yeah. with me and another YouTuber. Mm -hmm. And, I still have goosebumps from her coming out of that bunker and <laughs> and taking down those Nazis. And then all of a sudden here comes the rest of the army behind her following her. It, it still holds up. It still gives me goosebumps. But I remember when everybody was just gung-ho over it and just rooting for her. And the whole theater just went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and like, like you all said, the gravitas with that, it just doesn't hold up in the same and confined space whenever you're just watching it by yourself. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Goosebumps is still there, but and just the whole just, right. Just you saying about that scene, like I could, I picture it. I can hear the music, all of it, and it just triggered something in me. It's like, man, I'm really bummed we're not getting Wonder Woman eighty four, not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Not yet. Because I, I, well, I really, I so bad. That's one of the, that is probably the movie that I want to see this year. Wonder Woman eighty four. I want to see her ride the lightning with the lasso, like. I <laughs> That scene in itself looks like it could be the no man's scene, just by the way it looks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, we luckily we still get it. We'll get it one day. I mean, think they push it back, but we'll get it eventually. Um, as opposed to uh, what really sucks is all these films that are kind of in limbo because of the pandemic, and like we're just not really sure if and when we're going to get them. Like, you know, at least Wonder Woman was kind of like in the can. We can at least look forward to it as something to hold on to for the end of this. Yeah, I found out today that they're actually holding back Tenant and they're holding back uh, Wonder Woman to like August, I believe, if I read that right. No, 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 December. December is where they're wanting to launch it at. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I yeah, I mean, like... I was going to say, if they're looking at August, that, I'll be honest, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything, and I even said this, um, it might have been on the episode that you were on, they're... Uh, nerd chronic mm-hmm. uh i don't see theaters opening by the end of the year like not in mass yeah you might get sporadic here or there and for anybody that works in the movie theater industry or in movies in general like i'm i'm sorry to say that i'm not trying to be the downer here but we don't have this thing under control yet yeah no. uh, i mean i live in williamsport and if you know Williamsport, Pennsylvania, you know it for one thing, and that's Little League Baseball. And this is the 75th anniversary of Little League, and they canceled it. It's yeah. the first time in the history of Little League that they've canceled it. And I'll tell you what, we're feeling it already. We're not even close to what it should be, and we're feeling it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the hotel I work at, the day that it was announced, the ripple effect just started, and it's just getting worse. So I, I, I hate to be that bearer of bad news, and I hope that I'm wrong, and maybe tomorrow we wake up and somebody announces, hey, we found the answer. We can kill this thing now. Yeah. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, that's like just, I mean, really, that's the realistic nature of, like, what's happening. It's like we aren't really in a position where we can, like, start just getting back to what we want to do. I know people are itching to get back to normal, but, like, it's if, if we try to push it too fast, like, it's just going to get worse and it's going to go back to the way things were a month ago when we were really locked down. We were really kind of, like, on pins and needles every day trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Um, and, yeah, with theaters, like, I, th- I do think theaters will, will bounce back eventually, but um, things are going to definitely shift in the way we uh, consume media uh, or new media, particularly like new movies and new TV shows. Um, uh, You know, right now we do have in the next coming months, we have uh, the HBO service and the NBC service launching soon. And I think that's going to be like another big milestone in the way people kind of uh, like adapt to this whole thing, like uh, how well those services do and what they provide, I think will uh, play another role in like how theaters and like, uh, public venues like uh, market themselves to kind of adapt to the way people are starting to kind of realize the way the world can work now with what we have to work with. Definitely. Yeah. 
And I even have to agree with Chris on this one, too. Like, I don't see it actually opening up at all for movie theaters right now. Yeah. And there is a such thing as celebrating too early. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even said this at work. As someone that actually works for a hospital and everything, that, you know, yeah, it's great that we want to have some normalcy, but we actually have to pump the brakes and everything and see where we're at right now. Because, yeah, yeah we, you can we be optimistic to- all you want. We yeah, don't want to be George Bush in 2003 and announce that the Iraq war has been won. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to say mission accomplished and then get our asses stomped. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah, it's a it's a very tenuous time right now. And I think uh, everyone just has to stay put and like do their part by just keeping your head down. But um I I understand though. I understand people are itching to kind of get back what they miss about society. Um and luckily, I live with uh, like I live with about like five people who are you know my roommates, and uh, occasionally we'll throw on a movie and we'll sit down together and we'll kind of like have a, a a communal thing inside with one another. But uh, yeah, like there is kind of the, the aspect that I think a lot of people are missing, which is going to a theater, going to downtown, to a restaurant, and just being around other people. Um, mm-hmm for people who are extroverted extroverted you know people who gain energy by being around other people like it's it's tough for them for them uh, specifically another thing too is like i'm binging a lot more stuff than what i normally do like yeah. the shows that i've been watching like i ended up watching the uh beastie boys biography that they had <laughs> on apple tv yeah and i love that biography that biography that they did and then I'd watched a movie that was actually out of my comfort zone that I wasn't sure how, well, a TV show that was out of my comfort zone and I wasn't sure what I was going to get out of it. And that show was upload with Amazon prime and the originality behind upload was just fantastic for a yeah. sci-fi oh, feel to it. I'm waiting for space force. I'm waiting for space force to hit. I'm, I'm not a Steve Carell fan, but I am so in for that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. am too. I, for real. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what, new series i might be looking forward to it i'm off the top of my head i can't think of something right right now i am interested in general in the hbo service like the hbo max service that's coming out like um i know we have a lot of services that are coming out right now and it's becoming uh very stretched in like our our ability to keep them all in order but uh, i do like the kind of content that they have backed up on there and the library of content they're going to have and uh i think uh particularly for me, because again, like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and they're going to have all the seasons of Doctor Who for streaming on there, so like they kind of got me with that one, admittedly. Um, so I think uh, that I'm probably going to have my sights set on that in the next month or so. Um, but beyond that, like, hey, I'm not sure what new shows I am like looking forward to. Like, I just uh, I just finished Watchmen, the Watchmen series that came out uh, a couple months ago. That was good. Uh, I finally got a chance to sit down and watch it. I finished it. It was only like eight, eight episodes, eight, nine episodes, and it was fantastic. I really loved it. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I'm trying to find the balance right now between work and like trying to keep my peace of mind in, in the pandemic. I understand how yeah, that goes I, too. Because, yeah. because of that. It landed me when they announced that uh, Crunchyroll was partnering with HBO Max. Right. So uh, that that was the hook, line, and sinker for me because I'm big into my anime. I would love to get Winston on here one day and just even if it's just one-on-one and just shoot the shit about anime, just yeah, <laughs> I love anime to death. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think I, not sure I mentioned on here yet, but yeah, I work for, um, a couple YouTubers who do reaction, they have reaction channels. So they do reactions to TV shows, movies, like in anime, a lot of anime. And so like, I, I get to like, most of the anime, new anime that I consume now is through them. Like if they're going to watch it, I watch it with them as they're watching it. And so, um, I really, I've been enjoying, I just, we just finished, uh, yeah. Demon Slayer. Uh, they're getting through Vinland Saga and like a handful of other ones that are the new hot, hot animes this past year, uh, which I'm really enjoying. And that's like, it's funny. Cause that's like the only time I really have a chance to consume new media is when I'm doing work. I'm like working on stuff. Through mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the, the two, uh, anime that I'm hot into right now is My Hero Academia and Black Clover. Yeah. Yeah, those are two that we're also doing right now as well. Uh, PC comment off what you had said there, uh, Air Chronic, it mm-hmm. says, I've been social distancing my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny because like I I feel somewhat the same way. Like I'm I'm not a big like social person. Like you know even before this I was I, I had very much a homebody in general. And uh, luckily I was well suited for functioning in this whole thing, which is because I when I started working for the Schmodat full time and took on the editing job this past year this this year, and uh, in January and so I left my full time job of the, what I was doing before and I started building the my infrastructure to work from home so I can start doing the Schmodown full-time and took my other work. And then uh, when this whole thing hit, I was lucky, luckily in a position where I could continue working uh, almost, you know, without uh, without pause because I had everything in order to continue the show uh, with the way we were doing it before. I was working from home. I was sending the files, like the final uh, cuts for everything. And I, uh, I was very fortunate enough to have everything kind of ready to go when this happened. And... Uh, now that we're done with the studio matches, we're getting ready to kind of pivot again and uh, get into the Star Wars tournament and the Inter-Geekum tournament. And so uh, we'll be a learning curve again to kind of make sure we get all that in order. But luckily, uh, I am pretty uh, happy with the way things have panned out for as far as the way the show has been able to stay uh, on, on on trajectory with what we need. Now, do you think with having, having your hand, or I should say having Christian's hand works on uh, virtual... Um, to do these matches do you think that would open the door to newer competitors and like somebody like me I, i'm highly interested i if christian would reach out and say hey you and larry least one-on-one larry lives in texas i live here in pennsylvania but say he would say if you want to do a match we can do it virtually do you think that opens that door for new people or even say somebody like JTE uh see uh yes and no so like i think uh right now so the energy kingdom tournament that we're doing now specifically is a tournament that one christian had in mind already he was playing he was kind of like had that mulling around uh for the regular season before everything got shut down and so now that we're here uh he wanted to kind of take the opportunity to focus a singular tournament on uh, that, uh, which is like just one Star Wars tournament in Ergeekdom, they're very similar. So we can do the tournament with people online who uh, we know the, the faces, we know who are going to be involved in that. And they're people who have been drafted, officially drafted, so they're not new players necessarily, unless they're rookies. And um, the thing about, and conversely to that, is that with singles and teams, 
Um, he wants to hopefully save those for when we get back in the studio to film one because team dynamic just isn't the same if you're doing it online. It's just not like you, it doesn't work as well. And then two singles is like the prestigious league that he holds up kind of like higher, like just in the sense that it's like the original and it has like the, a little bit more like uh, notoriety to it in his mind. And so we're hoping to make sure. Yeah, we has those. yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're hoping to get those uh, matches ready to go once we uh, can shoot again. And have people face to face, like you know, like there are exciting matches that we have lined up. I can't say, but we have exciting matches lined up and ready to go as soon as we're ready to film again. Like we have uh, people who are just, you know, they it's already confirmed within internally. It's confirmed what's going to happen, but we want to make sure that those interactions happen face to face because it's not the same if they're online. And then as mm -hmm. far as uh, you know, getting new people in here, getting people shots online. Um, that's that's the thing that Christian's always tried to balance with. You know, he was always interested in finding new talent, but it's one like the operative word in that sense is finding talents. So, like we, there are people who are great at trivia, and they're great at trivia, and like he looks for that as well because they need to be able to hang in the competition sense. But he definitely wants to have them hang in the kind of talent and personality sense too. And that's why we do have people who jump in, like the barbarian. The barbarians one like an, uh, a trivia master. He does like pub and bar trivia naturally, but he has a good shtick, and that's what Finstall. Uh, Dagnino was looking for when he's drafting people. He's drafting people who make a, have a presence about themselves when they come in and they're in the league. And that's part of what Christian's always looking for. So I think uh, as he expands upon this on the online space, he's going to keep an eye out for people who have the ability to kind of one, answer questions. And that's like kind of like the, the base of what you need. But two, have something like have a stick or hook or like a kind of personality that uh, says something different about the show it's uh provide something different contribute something different and it's uh it reminds me of very much of like snl uh saturday night live uh you know christian reminds me a lot of lauren michaels who is this kind of like you know mastermind behind the scenes who's like orchestrating everything and uh lots of people try out for snl and they don't make it that doesn't mean they're not funny or not talented they just don't fit the bill of what the show needs at a certain given time you know jim carrey tried out kevin hart uh um and uh um Stephen Colbert, like people have tried out and they didn't make on SNL and they went on to have better careers, you know, after that. Um, but Lauren Michaels is like putting together a football team at any given time for the the show. He's trying to find people who complement one another, complement the show and what it needs to kind of uh, reach different demographics, different audiences, different aspects and angles that he wants to kind of put out for entertainment value. And Christian's very much the same way with the Schmodown. He's looking for people who complement the show and the whole, the big picture of it. And so that's, I think that's what he's always going to be kind of prioritizing. Uh, even now that we're reaching into like digital matches, um, luckily we're going to have the tournaments going on for uh, two months or so. That will last us a while. And then we are hoping once that's done, things will be stable enough to be able to film with like limited conditions. So we can go in, we could film like with very safe conditions, like have people come in like one-on-one -on -one to do like matches, make sure there's not a lot of people standing around um, and minimize the audience, the crew and all that stuff. And we can hopefully get the show going uh, as you guys previously would have known it. Go ahead, John. You look like you got something brewing there. Uh, uh, not real, really or anything like that. I mean, I've been <laughs> But no, um, basically and everything, I've been watching the show since season one and everything, and nice. I'm glad that you gave us some insight on what Christian is actually looking for because I've actually thought about competing myself mm -hmm. because of general knowledge of movies, and also I think I would actually pretty good, be good, pretty decent with movie release dates maybe and some Robert Williams stuff and certain other uh, stuff that they actually have. 
on on the thing as well. So I mean, I would actually be excited if Christian ever invited me as well. Yeah. But I'm glad that you know he's actually is looking for talent and something that would actually expand the community and also keep the community at where it needs to be rather yeah. than something that's actually forced. Exactly. So I I, com- I really do commend him for that. Yeah, and yeah, Christian is he's a hardworking guy, and like I, I really, you know, I do again, like you said, I commend him for everything he's done with the show because like it, this thing is, uh, even though it is successful, I think it is successful and it is lucrative in a certain sense. Um, it is still in the youthful days where it's more of a passion project than a viable brand that can like you know go out there and kind of run itself. And so it takes a lot of hard work, takes a lot of investment to make it functional. And he is like die hard set on making it work and like in this era and then right now with what's going on it could have like you know uh deflated very easily like we could have let it go it could have like ran out of steam and it would have been very detrimental to the show but he's working very hard to make sure it's in the zeitgeist people are still being entertained and being given content and so i think uh luckily i think with these two tournaments coming up uh it's going to give people a lot of fun stuff to talk about for the next couple months most definitely and I remember when people said, oh, this is not going to work or that's not going to work. And people laughed at him because of the fact that he wanted to try to do a movie trivia show, like a <laughs> WWE kind of style to it. And they said, oh, no, that's never going to work. That's not going to look how big it is now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of people proving pe- other people wrong <laughs> because I can relate to Christian on that. Because I remember when I said back in 2012, when I was doing fantasy and sci-fi rocks my world, I was actually an admin for that page. Mm-hmm. Nice. And the admin at the time, thank you. And at the, the admin at the time was like, well, what else should we do? I said, let's do a movie page. And the guy's like, no, that's not going to work because it's too diverse. People are not going to gravitate towards it that much or anything like that. I said, oh, work. If you actually know the audience that you actually want to reach out to. Yeah. And if you actually put the movie news and stuff that people are more geared to, and he didn't want to go with it, so I left the page, and then I created my own page, which is the Movie Lovers Unites page. Mm-hmm. And Sarah at the time, it was just a Movie Lovers page. She goes, can we also do TV news? Because I'm a huge TV person. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, go on ahead. Yeah. Anything to make it more creative, to actually energize the fans, anything to actually get the page going, I'm all for it. And now it's at 15,000 fan followers now for yeah. that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, man. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, but it's, it really is about like, you know, finding your passion in the project that you want to invest in and then working to uh, give an audience, find an audience through what you think will work because i mean i started doing this as a podcast and from there i was able to kind of expand that and in, uh, into different venues of like what i wanted to do for certain types of people so like i started using my podcast presence to reach out i found the schmodown i found like the reactors that i work with now and i do have like a lot of good connections of friends i'm very proud of but it is it, it does start with like you just kind of finding one small passion project that you want to really make succeed and then it could expand to different ways you didn't even expect over time right I'm actually, I would say I'm, well, we both are experiencing that right now just with having you on with us because a week ago, Larry and I, we talk daily on Twitter and he's like, well, try to get this guy, try to get this person. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, that ain't ever going to (laughs) happen. I have 20 followers on YouTube. I don't get any live viewership when we're doing the uh shows but then 
now all of a sudden it's like the floodgates open and we have you here tonight uh tuesday it's already been announced that we're going to have brett and kate on uh we're doing a special tuesday episode which i'm super pumped about yeah uh and anytime i can get somebody from sem on i'm absolutely i mean somebody reaches out to me and asks if they want to be on i mean you're welcome back anytime everybody else is welcome back anytime um i just i'm a huge fan of sem i'm, a, I'm becoming a huge fan of the schmodown and like so what you say about a passion project this here is my passion project hotel yeah. nerd is my brainchild um and I want to see this thing take off like a rocket. I want to be able to be another outlet to get the word out about Schmo down. Uh, case in point, I think I may have got one person already uh, involved Schmo down because Jericho joining up with yeah. um, with Schmo down, which is huge. Like Jericho and Kevin Smith, uh, for me, are two names that I recognize well right out of the gate, and I'm just. I'm super pumped just to see their first matches uh, happen in the near future. Hopefully, once all of this thing goes away, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. <laughs> so I, when you say about passion projects, I, I totally understand because yeah. I'm, I'm living right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to help out, and uh, I think you guys. I mean, it's just one of those things where you have to be, you have to feel fulfilled about what you're doing because because you're doing it, you know, because you're putting the work in. And uh, some uh, roads are easier than others for some people, but I think it's uh, once if you keep at it, like it gets a little bit easier to just keep doing it every day. I think you feel fulfilled by it by just the art and act of doing it, uh, which is a, I think the most important part. Um, and then in that sense, after once you have the, the momentum from that from yourself, then I think you'll eventually like you do find the audience, you do find the kind of people who gravitate towards you because you have something that they want to see. And uh, okay, yeah, I'm happy to be here, guys. That's also how I feel about my uh, podcast as well on a matter of fact, you can actually listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and all that too. For movie lovers, I'm just I'm at 133 episodes. And I've started almost a year ago doing just podcast episodes. Yeah. YouTube used to be a big medium for me up until they decided to change their rules and regulations. And I don't even have a laptop right now. Yeah. So <laughs> podcasting for me is definitely the way to go for right now. But I'm easing my way into StreamYards and everything pretty soon. So I'll probably wind, I'll wind up doing that for my channel pretty soon and converting the video format into audio formats. Right. Yeah, well, so. I tell you right now, Christian is a huge influence on me uh, because actually I I started watching Collider Live. At, well, I'll just say this: Christian's been a big influence on me since I've been watching Collider. Period. Yeah, because uh, I, I love his humor. Yeah. Uh, and when when my wife passed away, uh, John can vouch for me. I was in a very deep, dark headspace. Uh, very, very nasty thoughts um were in my head and especially when collider live started up it started bringing me back to life mm -hmm. uh the humor uh it was it was my daily fuel to get every day the little bit stronger every day and then when he launched uh sem 
and he announced that he was leaving Collider, my first thought was, this guy is insane. He's leaving someplace that's secure. I mean, at that point, it felt secure. And he went out and he, he did it, and it's taking off. And basically, John and I were just talking one day. He's like, hey, let's give it a shot just for the hell of it. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're morphed into what we are now. And we just started doing this here at the start of the year. So, uh, Christian, when I say on SE Online through Snowbot that Christian's a huge influence, he is. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I definitely feel that way too. Yeah. It's usually what it is, though. I mean, it's usually, you know, podcasts and people in creative space are inspired by people who were doing it before them. And then you really just had to find your own footing in that sense and like in that space to kind of uh, make your own impact. And I think uh, with Christian and SEN and Schmodown and all that, um, it is big influence on people who aspire to build something and make it successful. And, you know, likewise for myself, like I started doing this and like I uh, quickly found like the aspiration to work with the show. And I'm lucky, I'm lucky I was inspired enough by Christian to kind of make that come, make that come to fruition with his help and other people's helps as well. Uh, but uh, I do think you guys are doing a great job. Yeah. Just, you know, just uh, doing something and for the sake of doing something, because that's, that's uh, part of being productive and being creative. Um, it's like uh uh, it's like my favorite quote, uh, if I could find it, from like uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, people, which is, um, don't, get, don't get it right, just get it written. Which is, you know, don't worry about getting the thing perfect when you do it. Just worry about doing it and just getting it down and done. Like, you know, it'll, it'll refine itself over time the more you do it. But like the, the point is to just do it. I like that. Yeah, I don't yeah I've never heard that quote, but I do like that quote quite a bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> another thing that I want to mention too is Chris. You said that he was a, a Christian was a big influence on you. Oh, and yeah. everything. Definitely. He was, he was a big influence, right? Schnepp for me as well. Right. But the way Christian could in- interviews people is what is what is the reason why I interview people for my podcast mm-hmm. and everything. And I like letting people feel relaxed when I'm interviewing them, and. Instead of it being like a bunch of questions back and forth, I like it to be where it's just two front, two people conversating between the two of each other, getting to know each other, and doing it that way. Yeah. So the way it doesn't feel like a paint-by-the-numbers kind of interview. I want yeah. them to feel as relaxed as possible. And they even messaged me not even five seconds after the show. He goes, they're all like, I enjoy the show. I enjoy the process of how you do the interviews. You're very professional at what you do. Keep up the great work. And it just warms my heart to know that I'm doing a great job with what I'm doing. I'm very humble by that. And Christians have has a lot to think for that too, because I'm actually learning how to actually interview people in the way that's actually professional and the way he actually does it. And even Howard Stern for that matter too, I look up for him too, but more Christian. Yeah. With the way he interviews. Yeah. And you know, yeah, some of the best interviews are just, yeah, like conversations, you know, just like the ones where people feel like they really are sitting down and having a chat. Um, uh, I do, I've done a handful of interviews with people that I know that I really admire and enjoy. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, I always aim to have that kind of like that more comfortable rapport with people to make sure like they don't feel like they're being grilled about questions. Like they feel like they're comfortable just kind of speaking freely about, you know, what's, what's on their mind and what the conversation dictates. I mean, I, I find that's the best way too, because 
like tonight I had a rundown. We we're going to talk all about uh, the slowdown with all the pickups for the free agency. Yeah. And then when we got you locked in, it's like, yep, throw away the rundown. We don't need it. We're just going to go off the cuff. <laughs> so it's yeah. turning into a really good show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, PC had a question. Yeah, I was yeah. going to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Asking the video crew is feeling better. Yeah, because I know she was supposed to do her karaoke last night, which she usually does on Friday nights. Um, but she was feeling a little bit under the weather. But now she's bouncing back. She's still a little, little bit there, but she's uh, hopefully going to um, be well enough to still debut her show uh this uh tomorrow sunday night uh in the dark with video drew and she's working really hard at that um and then throughout the week we still we do have our own uh, regular shows which uh luckily isn't as tasking you know like uh karaoke and dancing around is a lot to ask for one for someone who's feeling ill but uh, other than that like the other shows that she does luckily don't require as much energy so she can sit down and at least do those right um, Chris, I'm going to let you know that I have to go. The battery is dying <laughs> for me, but, um, yeah, I just want to say, like, yeah, I was actually going to get ready to call it as well, because I got to be up in like five and a half hours. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's okay. No problem. Yeah. Morning shift. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, again, thank you very much for being on this is a great 90 minutes talking with you. Uh, where can everybody find you at? Um, usually, you know, as you, my name uh, no, notifies, it's uh, at Nerdchronic on all social media platforms, which is Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Tumblr, I think. We set it up and never touch it, but uh, it's everywhere pretty much. And uh, we uh, usually have uh, stuff coming out for uh everyone else so like i work for uh you know the schmodown which you guys know and love of course uh and that's gonna have some exciting things coming out over the next month and a half and then i do uh video drew's uh shows as well i do video chronic uh with her on mondays and wednesday uh th- wednesday and thursday nights and then uh we also do when we can in this days uh with uh our good friend andres uh gal ghost uh, we do our chronic commentaries where we just watch movies and kind of uh talk along over it uh as like you know uh, riff track style uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. Again, like I work for the Schmodown, so please keep an eye out for uh, those things because we're going to have a lot of exciting things coming up over the next uh, couple weeks. Right. And you guys can actually find me at Movie Loves Unite. Uh, I have a podcast on there on Anchor, but you can find me on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we do a top 10 list of our favorite movies as well, just like Roka does a top 10 for his. I do interviews. I also go on ahead and do uh, movie news, what goes into certain things that uh, how movie theaters are run. I've also go into a lot more uh, more detail and everything else on the show. And you can also find me on Twitter at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite at John DiGregorio at Twitter. And then you can also find me, of course, on my Facebook page at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. And I've also got a WordPress page as well for Movie Lovers Unite. So that's going to be everything that you guys can actually find me on. And where can people find you, Chris? Well, as the name tag says, at hotel underscore nerd 86 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I tell everybody else now, it's just simple, just blanket statement. Uh, pretty much any social media platform, just look up Hotel Nerd and you'll find me. Um, yeah. Also have a Patreon page that I launched this week again. 
if you go and you look for hotel nerd, you're going to find me. <laughs> so uh, I just made it very simple, straight to the point for anybody that's interested. Uh, but with that, again, like I said, it was a great 90 minutes to talk with you. Greatly appreciate you being on. Uh, look forward to having more conversations with you in the future. Uh, best of luck to you. Stay safe during this whole crisis. Yeah, you guys too. <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're welcome back anytime. Absolutely, man. I'd love to come back sometime. All right. All right. Have, Have a good night, night everybody. Have a good night, guys. All right. Good night, everyone.